welcome to Leo Roundtable at leoroundtable.com. My name is Chip DeBlock, and I'm your host. We're a group of law enforcement professionals that talk about the news and the issues, but we do it from a law enforcement perspective. And let me go ahead and introduce the crew to you. Um, guys, if you don't mind waiting for the video portion of our show, and let's go ahead and start off with Chief John Newman. We have uh, Captain Brett Bartlett, Sergeant uh, the new addition, Joe Rollerson. Yeah, the good looking. They call him Hollywood on the street. And uh, we have producer Will Statzer. So uh, thanks, guys, uh, for being here. Also, a shout out to our sponsors. We have Motion DSP, Galls, GunLearn.com, MyMedicare.live, and we are fueled by Bang Energy. Also, shout out to Brian Burns with the Free Press and Ray Dietrich with Red Voice Media. Uh, they're a good content provider and they're carrying our show as well. Um, we have a great lineup as usual, guys. And, you know, without uh, without waiting, we're going to jump into the topic. I'm not excited about covering it. We have to cover it. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's these five Memphis cops that have been charged in the murder of um, Tyree Nichols. And it's on lawofficer.com, and it's also on Rumble. This is Butters the Rumble channel. I think it's the best law enforcement video channel that there is. And so I recommend going and supporting them on Rumble. Uh, but, yeah, we have these five Memphis cops. And, um, look, this has been covered all over the news. And, look, there's still information, new information coming out daily. I know that um, Brandon Tatum, I think he was a Phoenix police officer. Uh, he's got the Officer Tatum show on YouTube and other outlets. And uh, his main thing was the first thing he said was uh, there was non-compliance on the part of the uh, whether you want to call him a bad guy because he's non-compliant or victim or whatever, uh, but that it started off with non-compliance. And uh, it's been on, uh, you know, Andrew uh, Bronca. He's an attorney. He's got the uh, law of self-defense on YouTube as well. He thinks that only one officer should be charged with murder. Doesn't think it applies to other officers. It's been on a donut at the donut operator. Um, but anyhow, um, let's start talking about this real quick. The background is five Memphis cops fired last week as a result of this incident it led to the death of 29 year old Tyree Nichols, and they've now been charged with murder in the case. So it's got these five officers names and respectively, they got hired in 2020, 2020. 2018, 2017, and 2018. So these guys don't have a much a much time at all, and they were in a special unit. So the men facing the seven felon they're facing seven felony charges, including one count of second degree murder, one count of aggravated assault, one count of official oppression, two counts of aggravated kidnapping, and official misconduct, according to Action News Five. Now in Tennessee, the second degree murder it's punishable by 15 to 60 years in prison, according to the Associated Press. So on January 7th, Nichols, he stopped for reckless driving. There's a confrontation occurs during the stop. 
he flees on foot. And actually, the cop was telling him to get out of the car. He wouldn't. And they had that. They extracted him. Uh, officers gave chase. They catch him. And there's another confrontation. And after Nichols is taken in the custody, he's transported by ambulance to the St. Francis Hospital in critical condition. He dies three days later, according to lawofficer.com. Um, so following an IA investigation, which is where, of course, uh, Brett and, and Chief John used to work, um, they did an internal investigation. Disciplinary hearings, all five cops were fired January the 20th. The agency said they violated multiple department policies, including excessive use of force, duty to intervene, and a duty to render aid. Now, Chief um, Sarah Davis, I think was her name, um, she's um, says that other officers remain under investigation for department policy violations. Apparently, they're not as bad. But in addition to that, we have two members of the Memphis Police, or, or I'm sorry, Fire Department. They've also been relieved of duty, and they're under investigation. And uh, they were involved in the, in the, what they say, in the initial patient care of Nichols. Um, so the, the titles are, I gave them one, we have another article, Memphis Police Chief Prepares the Community for the Release the, of the Body Cam Video. Then we got Memphis Police Release the Videos. And then um, Lowered Memphis Hiring Standards. The chief has a checker background pass, according to the article, and they also discussed the termination of the officer's charge of murder. But it talks about lowering hiring standards for Memphis. And, of course, remember, I mentioned the when these guys came on in the last two or three years, and that's right about the time that the city started hiring guys, bypassing the 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 restrictive standards that the police department had, and they were kind of cutting through corners to get minorities on the on the police department. So I've already said enough, so I don't want to bog it down with that. But this last article talking about the lowering of standards and you kind of you know get what you pay for, um, that may really be coming into play here. Captain Brett Barlett, start us off on this. Young officers, specialty unit less than standard hiring practices, a feeling of I'm special, that's what it leads to, okay? Uh, they, they're, they're, the uh, unit was had an acronym SCORPION. Are you kidding me? Okay, <laughs> so you're taking young officers who don't have enough time on the street, putting them in a specialty unit, makes them, making them almost an extra legal unit. They feel like they can get away with, and I'm just projecting a little bit here because I've seen it. They think they can get away with crap. Their tactics suck. This guy never should have been let off the ground the very first time. You're, you're running up and you're kicking him when he's cuffed. You're, you're hitting him with a nightstick when he's cuffed. This is going to be really bad. Thanks, Captain. Um, what do you think, Chief, about the – and we have FLG, man, just made a contra, uh, contribution. He said he's going to miss the Monday night shows, but uh, we'll be uh, covering more of that later. But uh, what do you think about this, Chief? No, I, I agree with Brett, and, and I think I said I wasn't here last week, but the week before – you know, it's deja vu all over again, right? You know, this is, you, you know, I had to leave the show last week. And I couldn't remember the, the the genesis of the 80s riots in Miami, but it was McDuffie, the motorcycle guy. He was the insurance salesman that the Miami cops, you know, beat and killed. That Arthur, launched Arthur, the riots. Arthur McDuffie. Arthur McDuffie. I went and to the trial. Right. And they, had, they actually did a change of venue, which was a conversation we were having a couple of weeks ago, why we don't move the venue anymore for some of these high profile cases. They had it right here in Tampa. Um, but more importantly, you saw South Florida really lower its hiring standards. And just a few years later, you see the Miami River Cop case. Then you see, you know, Rampart, the, the what is it, the Community Response Against Street Hoodlums, the crash unit. And then you see the Mullen Commission. Then you see the Christopher Commission. And what are we talking about? Corruption and brutality in law enforcement. And a lot of it stems from lowering your hiring standards trying to get certain numbers up and certain demographics to make the community happy. And the end result is it tarnishes our 
profession. There's not one of us on the panel likes what we saw. Those guys should get everything they, they deserve, period, the end. I think you're seeing some of the new folks being relieved of duty that might have supported or aided in this situation. But where do you get off putting a two- or three-year guy in his specialty unit? That just doesn't happen. It didn't happen with us. And if it did, you either had to bring your A game every day or there was a lot of oversight. And we have specialty units and subject matter experts are critical in law enforcement. I don't care if it's a street street anti-crime squad, a street-level dope squad, a fugitive apprehension squad. You need them. You need those folks outside patrol to go get the worst of the worst, right? I believe the Scorpion case where the guys are going after the repeat offenders. Hmm, repeat offenders, that sounds like Rampart, right? So it really, really is one of those things, history repeating itself. And what are we talking about? It was on the news tonight, right before I came up. Police reform, police reform, police reform. Wait a minute. And here's what they're going to, I bet you, I bet you they're going to talk about standards. They're going to talk about not being, a, not hiring people that don't deserve to be here. Meanwhile, in California, we have people that you now can be uh, um, a, not a citizen and have the right to have a driver's license and to be hired by law enforcement. And you're going to police U.S. citizens. This is a mess. Police reform is one thing. This is a mess. Those guys in Memphis get, deserve everything they get, but there's a systemic problem. That agency is down 500 units. They have the highest rate of homicide per capita. And I'm here to tell you, it's not going to get any better with these agencies with their numbers down so low, trying to hire a number of people. And you're going to see inexperienced people doing horrible things like we did with Memphis. Now, Chief John, before you mute that microphone, I got a question for you. You said you used the terms um, systemic problems. So I just want you to to clarify what you're saying, because a lot of people, when they hear systemic problem, they automatically associate it with um, racial issues with law enforcement being a no, systemic no, issue. Here, so. No, here, here, here's what I mean by systemic. And I, I can tell you right now, Joe and Brett are going to agree to it. If Dave was here, any one of our panelists would agree to it. Policing is a very complicated occupation. You need a certain skill set. You learn that skill set early on in patrol, how to take a call, how to interact. But when you start talking about someone that all they're doing is working in a certain part, whether it's fugitives or whether it's street level narcotics, you need a certain skill set. If you don't nurture, develop, coach, and hire the right people, you're going to slide into a deliberate indifference issue or you know negligent hiring issue, and you're going to see that. That's going to be the systemic problem we're going to see for the next few years because it's not a, these, these, this was black on black, right? Yes, I think the response would have been way different had any of those officers been white. That's not, I'm not talking about that now because I'm not going to get pulled into the racist issue. The systemic issue we're going to see in law enforcement is inexperienced people that probably don't have the skill set to even be a police officer pushed into these special assignments or pushed into situations they're not ready to deal with because they got onboarded either inappropriately or way too, um, way too early. Thanks for clarifying. And, and, and I, I, I as well, I don't have any, I especially don't have any sympathy for the city by bypassing the police department standards to try to do the mi- minority recruiting, because we've seen this has been an, an issue for a very long time, including back when I came on in 1983, it was going on extremely heavy. In fact, I got booted out of one academy. And then I got put back in it because they were just trying to put all the minorities yeah. in and out of 21 people. I was the only I was the only guy left. But, uh, yeah, but, but Jim, remember back in Quad, so the city of Tampa had a quick unit to perform attack and drugs. Me and Joe can smile, had a lot of good times. But, you know, there was a response to an epidemic, right? 
street level drug, open drug sales were just pervasive in the city of Tampa and the surrounding area. So they created units to deal with that because patrol was overwhelmed. Your traditional vice detective was overwhelmed. They don't do street level stuff. They do more mid-level trafficking stuff. How are you going to have a response for that? Even that unit, it, and I would consider myself one of the newer guys that got in that unit. You, you walked in the shadow or alongside a veteran guy until you knew what the hell you were doing. And there's a, there's a difference between the, the, the reason why you have it, crime, and how you go about addressing it. You know, I just think these guys, and let's face it, the only standard they lowered, I think, was college. You're going to count me off, son of a, always, always. Hey, okay. Look, uh, hold that thought, Captain Brett. Commercial break. We'll be right back. All right. So Motion DSP, they've been supporting the law enforcement industry for over 15 years for the robust suite of video and audio redaction and enhancement software. Now, Motion DSP software is easy to use, requires no specialized training or expertise. You can save valuable time with Spotlight's one-click automated tracking feature and forensic suite of enhancement filters. You can achieve results quickly in just three steps, import, process and export. Now Spotlight was built specifically for redaction and it's designed to work with video from any camera source using Motion DSP's algorithms and object tracking technology. Spotlight, it automates the process of blurring faces and other identifiable information. It saves users countless hours compared to manual frame-by-frame redaction. Now forensic enhancement software, it allows users to quickly process and analyze any video file format using patented super resolution algorithms and enhancement filters to reveal an unseen level of detail. You can get forensically valid evidence from low-quality video in just minutes instead of hours, so you can learn more about these products at motiondsp.com. Welcome back to Leo Roundtable Show. I'll I'll tell you, Captain, a couple of those words are tongue twisters for me. But, uh, um, you know, and watching the video, Captain, I, you know, whenever I watch one of these, I always... The first thing I look for is whether there was compliance on the part of the bad guy. And I say bad guy because if there's not compliance, whether it's getting out of the car, you know, pulling over, um, giving the ID when you're required to, he's a bad guy. He's non-compliant as far as I'm concerned. He's a bad guy. Um, I And I also, we don't have access, like I know, Captain, you've taught in our Deadly Force Nero training videos, we don't have access to everything that's going through the officer's mind, what he sees, how he's interpreting what, it, you know, what's going on. So I, but there's certain things that, that I saw, I saw a, uh, a cop, you know, kicking the bad guy when he's down in the head. And of course, we don't teach that. It's very hard to justify that. And then, of course, um, the baton could be justified. And uh, but, you know, you had one guy hosing down the bad guy and all the troops with OC pepper spray drove me crazy. So now the guys are apprehensive about going hands on. So I don't know if it's just the lack of lack of good training because a lot of cops aren't going hands on or it's because they can't see or they don't want to touch the guy and get pepper spray all over them. And, uh, and then I heard a cop say in the video after this went down that the bad guy had grabbed this gun. It was holstered, but, the, you know, he was grabbing, trying to get the cop's gun out of the holster. So there, there obviously were things going on that would be very hard to justify in any circumstance. It obviously seemed like it was an excessive force at, at the minimum. But, uh, Captain, go ahead. Well, <clears throat> imagine an air crash. It's never one part. It's always a compilation of a series of events that lead to the crash, right? Uh, bad maintenance, bad training, bad pilot. It's, it's usually a series. And what we have here, we have improper hiring. We have improper training. We have improper tactics. The tactics were terrible, terrible. Now, we are way past the noncompliance issue. We are not going to resolve that in our lifetime, period. So what's next? Better training, more mature cops, better hiring. Now, uh, and John mentioned a lot of events uh, uh, relative to this. But there was one that happened in Baltimore not that many years ago where they had a special gun squad 
and the gun squad was doing a great job getting guns off the street. So they're almost given tacit permission to go do stuff. Okay, nobody was overlooking these guys. Some of these officers were complained on over and over and over. Even in court, they were doing bad things, and they were still allowed to operate. The book written is called I Got a Monster. And what they were doing was whenever they encountered a guy who had a lot of dope and a lot of money, they'd call each other and go, hey, I got a monster. They'd go rip that guy off or break into his house and steal his stuff. But that didn't happen overnight. That's a compilation. It's a series of events that leads these cops to think, wow, I got away with it once. I believe I can get away with it again. This is not the first time those guys have laid hands on somebody like that. I'll bet you. Yeah, good point. All right. Well, look, thanks, guys. Uh, good commentary on this. Uh, moving, on, we'll, we'll continue. There's going to be a lot more news coming down the, the pike on this. Um, and, and hey, Chip. Yeah. They offered these guys, correct me if I'm Brett, wrong, Brett. I think it was five or $15,000. I mean, there is a, just like they have down here in Florida, signing bonus if you come on. But now, and I'm not, I'm not trying to dirty the water, but you look at the chief. She had a checkered pass with Atlanta PD. She got fired. She got reinstated. She went to door. And by the way, she was part of that Red Dog Squad that they helped in, had up in Atlanta, which was a fugitive apprehensive unit. Went after really serious people. There was issues with that. She went to door, and then she came over here. I don't know how. I don't. You know, I don't know how she's going to survive this. I'm not saying this is her fault. But you know, we we've talked about you know some, we've talked about recently about you know when you onboard when you make someone your leader you want them to have like a, an impeccable you know past. Who would have thought what happened to her in Atlanta now is going to be the conver conversation about whether or not her leadership had anything to do with this? And I don't know the answer to that. I'm just saying now this chief, who by all counts looks like she's doing what she's supposed to be doing in response to this, is now coming under scrutiny because perhaps they shouldn't have onboarded her. And I, and I don't know the answer to that. I don't live in Tennessee. But now all those things come to light. Put them all in a big blender, and it makes it for a bad time at Memphis PD. I feel bad for the 99% of the department that does a great job, and I feel horrible for this guy's family because those guys get everything they deserve. You know, another question, John, nobody's asked yet is where was the boss during this encounter? Where was the sergeant? Where was the lieutenant? I'll bet you this, John. I'm, I'm just guessing, but I have an insight. That chief came on and said, we have a problem. And somebody said, I can fix it. Give me a special unit. I will take care of it. And the chief said, I'll bet you. She said, do what you got to do. And that leaves the door open for this kind of, where the hell was the sergeant? I don't know. I, I talked to a friend of mine that worked up in Memphis a few years ago. And they had a, the, the, our equipment of a sack squad, which this was. And it was called something different. But you're right. Where the hell is the supervisor? And, and by the way, that's exactly what they say with these specialty units. It's all about putting the onus and the responsibility and the accountability squarely on the supervisor that oversees those five cats. Where were they? Yeah, our victim yelling for his mom. Man, that's not, that's not going to go over good. We listen, got listen, just, just one other thing before I forget. You name a unit Scorpion. That is an indicator. I'm better than what a cool name we have for our group. Are you kidding me? Scorpion. They could have come up with any other acronym or no acronym. It's just another indicator that these guys thought they were special. What about holding the gun sideways, Captain? <laughs> you're well, a firearms instructor. Well, if your bad guy's laying down, maybe that's what you have to do. I don't know. Oh, wow.
Terrible, right. terrible tactics. Thank you to our, our panelists for being here and making the show possible. Um, Don, thanks for uh, the article and for logging in the, and being able to log on. Appreciate it. I know you had an important meeting. Also, our sponsors, Motion DSP, Galls, GunLearn.com, MyMedicare.live, and Bang Energy for fueling us. Also, Red Voice Media, Free Press also. Hope everybody has a wonderful and safe week. I think that we had FLG Man and also MBS as well support the show. So thanks, guys. Thank you.